Hey, Sarah. Hey, Jonathan. Oh, thank goodness you are home. I'm at my wit's end with this kid and don't know what to do. You take him. Uh, what's, what's going on? Well, it started when he saw the ad on the box for our new toilet saying that you could <laughs> flush a whole bucket of golf balls at once. Oh, no. And it's only gotten worse from there. I've tried everything I know to do. I am so done. Um, yeah, you take him. <laughs> now, some of you out there might, may have had days just like this. Well, maybe not just like this with the golf balls. But as a side note, I will say this is an actual ad on the side of a box for a new toilet. But you may have had some other sequence of stressors that has really stressed you out. And at the end of the day, you too were done. Yes. I know I've had plenty of those days where I just wasn't sure where to go or what to do with my kids. Well, this month in the Hope New community, our theme is parenting. And one of the resources that's helped our family so much is Connected Families. And they have a book called Discipline That Connects With Your Child's Heart. Today on the podcast, we are excited to be talking with Jim and Lynn Jackson, the authors of the book and the founder of Connected Families, um, and they offer a myriad of excellent resources. If you find value in today's podcast interview, please share it with your friends, family, and social media connections. Thank you. Jim and Lynn, welcome to the Hope and New Podcast. We are so glad to have you here. We are glad to be here. Yeah, it's great to be with you. And let's start off with why another parenting ministry? I know before I found you guys, I had read well over half a dozen in programs and everything else and trying to learn parenting well over dozens of books. And uh, so why another parenting ministry? Wow. Well, I ask myself that question all the time after almost 20 years. Are, are we are we are we really providing something unique and, and a service to God's kingdom? And I come up with the same answer every time I wonder. And the answer is that there's God has given us a unique sort of way of thinking about parenting um, that's built around a simple framework that really begins by. Uh, looking inward as parents and being thoughtful, reflective people and embracing our identity in Christ fully, and then recognizing when the parenting challenges that we, that we encounter run into that and maybe even reveal that we're not as sold out to Jesus as we thought we were. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's yeah. So it's actually a, a helpful concept because when I can look inward and really experience some transformation, then that's, there's a natural trickle down to my parenting. And so this message of starting by looking inward really holds a lot of hope um, for, for deep change in my relationship with my child. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then, I mean, there are a couple of things that have just emerged uh, as unique over time, one of one of them is the way that we look at our kids and what we perceive to be their misbehavior. Mm-hmm. And we coined a phrase long ago called uh, unearthing and valuing our kids' gift gone awry. Mm-hmm. And the gift gone awry can be anything from, you know, that loud child that uh, we tend to 
uh, label, um, you know, he's, he's, he just can't control himself. And he, uh, and I was one of those kids. So I resonate with that idea a little <laughs> bit. And uh, he, he just never stops talking. And we hear ourselves say these things. Well, it's like, wow, what talent does it take for him to behave in a way that gets that sort of description from you? Because that talent came from God and honoring that talent and uh, understanding it is going to be an important part of releasing that talent into God's purposes. Yeah, I love that about your whole parenting style and that it calls out their giftings and reinforces it, even in the middle of a discipline situation. And mm -hmm. um, I just love that. And I think that's so biblical about helping them step into their identities and who God created them to be. And Yeah. Well, it's really good that that um, God dealt with his key leaders in that way, because if he had only chosen the shiny ones with perfect behavior, he would have missed Paul. He would have missed Peter, Moses, Abraham. <laughs> and yeah, who so, would he have had? Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> so we, we like to say that Peter was the ADHD poster child of a disciple <laughs> that was always getting in trouble, but yet he had the boldness and the intensity to stand up and lead the church in Jerusalem on those key early years. So, you know, that's it's about seeing the intensity and the giftedness, even when it's uh, got a few rough edges and helping our children to refine that and use it for God's glory. Yeah, yeah. love it. Now, what would you say is the essence of, your, of what your ministry does to equip parents? Um, it really helps them to kind of have a... a a walking framework in their heads to quickly assess what's going on in this interaction here. What's going on in this situation with my child. And like Jim said, it starts with um, just a, a, the foundation of what's going on in me and a quick look to go, Oh, am I just like stressed out and looking for a big measure of control right now over my kids? Or am I unloading resentment at my spouse on my kids or what's going on under the surface here? Um, and then to step back and take a breath and breathe in God's presence and his love for me so I can breathe out God's peace to my kids. So that's what we call foundation. Yeah. And it communicates a message to our kids. You're safe with me because I'm working on what's going on in me. Yeah. So. I love that. I don't think. Oh, are, are, uh, I'm sorry. Are we editing? Is this editable? It is. Editable. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't think that's the question they asked, honey. The question okay. is, what does your ministry do? Well, we do podcasts and we do books and we do online courses and we do what? What is what is it? What is it that your ministry does? Is the question. Okay. All right. We'll ax that and you pick it up. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, you can say you it, but but you just re-ask. We'll just redo. Sure. Okay. All right. So, what would you say is the essence of what your ministry does to equip parents? Well, we have just a, a variety of ways of helping parents from sort of a quick brush through a podcast or a blog post, um, and then a deeper dive into a, a variety of online courses. We've got some on sibling conflict, on the power of questions um, to build values and skills. Uh, we have one on entitlement. Uh, we have one called Discipline That Connects With Your Child's Heart, which is sort of our flagship course and then I'm working on one um, that will be uh, you know helping your sensitive and intense child so that'll be out in about a year um, 
so we've, the, the online courses really take parents into a deep dive. And then we also have coaching, individual parent coaching, mm-hmm. um, to come alongside parents, alongside parents that are, that are really struggling and need some hand-holding, some encouragement, some super practical ideas that are a fit for their family. Yeah, we're actually super excited about the coaching. Uh, we've built a curriculum. We're certifying coaches now. We're, we're in the midst of training a third cohort uh, um, of parent coaches who basically learn to take this simple framework uh, that we teach and make it practical for parents in all sorts of circumstances. And uh, yeah, maybe you maybe you two could could uh, join us as coaches at some point. Hey, that'd be really oh, cool, man. That actually wow. would be. We're gonna have to talk more about that. <laughs> you thought you 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 thought we were coming for a podcast, but this is really a sales presentation. <laughs> Recruiting. <laughs> there we go. So I take it from the recruiting aspect that this is done anywhere in the, the country and uh, it's, uh, people can connect with the coaches through phone or online or how is yeah, that? Yeah, it's true. It's a, it's, a, it's an online course. We're actually right now talking even with people, uh, you know, across the oceans and um, it, really eager because of the simplicity of the framework and then its ability to contextualize into different sorts of cultures and environments. Uh, you know, people from a lot of different cultural backgrounds are saying, hey, we want to make that framework work in our setting. How do we do it? And our answer is not here's how, but is, well, you already do. Let's just talk about that, explore it together, discover how you grow strong in your foundation of faith and identity, how you connect with kids in a way that communicates love, how you coach them as, as a teacher, as a mentor, as a guide, and how you correct them, hold them accountable for what they've done that they ought not do. How do you do that in your culture? And then let's put some practical uh, examples in, into your repertoire that you can now begin teaching to other people. Love that. It's really, it's really, it's really, it's really been fun. Yeah, what a neat resource! What a needed resource! And uh, yeah, I'm excited about that. That's yeah. really cool. And as we've chatted, you guys know that I've read your book and applied your materials to our family life. Um, so I want to give our audience and listeners a better idea of what your program, I guess, is, if that's what you call it, um, what your principles. Involve and I would put it definitely squarely in the grace based parenting um, mm. area and um, think that's so critical. Yet I had read other grace based parenting resources before you that didn't give me the really practical, hands on tools and framework mm-hmm. that yours did. Mm-hmm. So I want to dive into that a little bit more. Um, what can you tell us about your framework and how that um, helps parents in? in that moment when they have to figure out how to handle a situation? Well, it's really got four levels to it, four actions, and then four messages to our kids that flow out of those actions. And parents often want to start with... 
parents often want to start with, how do I correct this behavior? But the framework helps them to back up and take a big picture look at their relationship with their kids, starting at the foundation of what's going on in me as a parent. What am I bringing into this interaction with my child? Is it really God's grace and truth? Or is it my baggage Mm -hmm. from the day, my stress, my frustration, my need for control? (laughs) Um, And so we call parents to take a look at that. And then take a breath and just bring in, breathe in God's love for them so they can breathe out God's peace to their kids. Um, And in that, the message that gets communicated is you are safe with me. So safety for our kids becomes part of an important foundation for relating to them that flows out of an awareness of what's going on in me. And that's really a holy work to to bring our hearts to the Lord as we start to discipline our kids and respond to them. And then on top of that is uh, we can begin to connect well with our kids. If they feel safe with us, they'll receive our connection. And that um, that's about communicating love and enjoyment of my kids in the everyday uh, interactions of life, but also about um, really being very intentional about communicating the message, you are loved no matter what, when my kids struggle. And to empathize with them and to get down on their level and to connect and communicate that very important gospel-based message of unconditional love. Yeah. Yeah, so that's those first two principles, uh, to grow a strong foundation and then to connect, communicating the message communicating the message, you are safe, communicating the message, you are loved. Um, those are what we call the nest of grace. Uh, and it's it's really a, a number of parents, when we coach them, will tell us, you know, when I learned this bottom part, the top parts became much more natural and easy for me. But we still talk about the top parts. And the top part of this framework uh, is that you uh, become a coach to your kids you coach them, you draw out their skills, you give them opportunities to learn and grow and serve and fail uh, in, a, in an environment of low pressure. Um, and that communicates the message to them that you are called by God to do his work and capable of doing what he built you, uniquely built you to do. Uh, And so as we move through these layers, you can see there's the foundation, there's the connection, now there's coaching. And then, yes, our kids, uh, like us, are are born into sin and they're going to sin. They're going to misbehave. Uh, Not all of what we interpret to be, I mean, it's all a tangled mess and it's hard to parse out what's what. But so much of what our young growing kids do is the best they know how to do to get their needs met. And it's colored by the sin nature. Um, and so it's our job to hold them accountable, to, to teach, to correct them. Uh, and to do it in a way, though, not that, that communicates a message, you have to do the right thing, but that communicates the message, you are responsible to make right what you've made wrong. So it's, it's, a, it's an effort of um, reconciliation, toward reconciliation, toward restoration. It's so biblical. Uh, you know, we're told in Galatians 6.1, after a whole bunch of stuff about um, the, what what it's like to walk in the fruit of the Spirit, what it's like to be in the flesh, uh, then Galatians 6.1 begins by saying, um, when you catch a brother or sister in sin, you who walk by the Spirit 
should go to them and to restore them gently. The, the, the effort of restoration is the heart, not the effort of punitive approaches that somehow modify people to behave properly. Restoration is a matter of the heart. And so that's the framework where we work our way, you know, through these ideas. And it's, it's not a step-by-step necessarily. Sometimes our kids are acting up and we need to correct them quickly or something really bad could happen. But then we, we consider these four messages. How did we communicate them? How will we communicate them? You're safe with me. You're loved no matter what. You're called. You're capable by God to do the good works that he prepared in advance for you to do. And you are responsible to make right what you've made wrong. How do we communicate those messages to our kids? What are they receiving from us is really the primary question of our disciplinary efforts, not how are we getting them to do what we want them to do. And we didn't set out to specifically minister to a special needs audience, but our framework is really rooted in history with struggling kids. So I'm an occupational therapist. Uh, Jim worked for years with at, for over a decade with at-risk teens. So we really got what this struggling sector of kids needs. And, and the framework applies so beautifully to that. So I'm just going to give a fly-through whirlwind application. In foundation, we need to be really secure <laughs> in who we are in Christ when our special needs child is having a meltdown in public. Or we're comparing, we're tempted to compare with someone uh, who has a gifted child or something like that. So our foundation becomes more important. We connect well and communicate. Even though you struggle more than a lot of kids, you are loved and delighted in. And that's that connect piece. And then bringing out the capabilities of our our kids and trying to figure out what's a just right challenge for this little kiddo who isn't going to have all the capabilities but does have some and can be a blessing to others. And then a key thing that that parents of special needs kids struggle with is correcting kids because they they just think, oh, but I know this is harder for you. And so then these kids tend to get let off the hook, which is not good for them. But when our focus is restoration and correction becomes, "Uh uh-oh, we have a problem here. How do you want to fix it so everyone can feel better? You know, that's just a whole different perspective. And it's it's not punitive, but it's encouraging. Mm-hmm. Correction and discipline can happen with a special needs child in a way that brings deeper grace instead of deeper shame. Mm-hmm. I love that. And what you just said there it speaks to this next question a little bit. But what is the long-term impact of this kind of discipline in, in, a, in a family? Well, um, I, I want to warn against something here. Uh, and that is that when I parent this way, um, it doesn't necessarily mean that I'm going to get this result. Uh, put put the put the coin in the machine, and out comes what you want. Uh, because because then this, uh, if that's how a parent views what we're talking about, it becomes more of a moralistic sort of. A set of tricks to gain behavior. And this is about hearts. This is about um, <clears throat> grace. This is about comfortable with messes. This is about um, managing expectations, our own primarily, about how things are supposed to be. Because 
our expectations, no matter what they might be, are wrought with our own sin, with our own inner struggle, with our own selfishness. Uh, and <clears throat> as soon as we expect that if I act this way, my child will act that way, then we're going to get frustrated. We're going to get angry. We're going to get, uh, you know, parents will tell us all the time, the way this kid is acting is making me nuts. Oh, so you are being made nuts by a behavior that seems to keep showing up in spite of all of your efforts. Maybe your expectation of what's going to happen when you engage could change. And maybe if it did, you'd be a little less nuts feeling. <laughs> uh, and so <clears throat> I just want to preface my answer to this question with this idea that, that there's there's no promise of an outcome here. This is a, this really is a framework that says what kind of, that invites the answer to the question: What kind of a parent do you want to be, and how can we help you get there? Yeah. Not what kind of child do you want to have, and how can we help you produce that? Yeah. <clears throat> now that said, as parents steep in God's grace and truth for themselves, and learn to be people of of grace and truth in a way that the kids around them and the other people around them are, are observant of that and are influenced by that. These parents tend to gain the kind of influence they want to have with their children. It's, it's really around this question of authority. We believe authority is gained more by our humility than by our strong effort to be authoritative. <laughs> Uh, and so uh, the kind of families that we see, I mean, you just, you've described your family a little bit uh, or before we got on the microphones. And, you know, you just talked about increased joy and, and how much fun we have and how, how much grace there is for the little things and um, how when things don't go the way we want, it's not so stressful. And, you know, now these are the sorts of things that parents tell us. Um, I, I Mostly what parents tell us is, is I'm so much more satisfied with the parent I've become. Hmm. Uh, and then as and when we're more the parent we really want to be, then, uh, and that's a deep inner work, it's not just a behavioral work, then uh, kids tend to grow in those similar sorts of ways. Mm-hmm. The, the value of authenticity and humility as a parent is just beyond measure. And I received a text <clears throat> from um, a friend a few weeks ago, and she said that her daughter had a new friend over this weekend. She, the, the friend looked at me and said, I feel like I'm in a Disney movie. You admit that you are wrong to your kids and apologize? She said, I've never heard my parents apologize or laugh at things that are a little questionable like that. I don't know this happens. I didn't know this happens in real life. So the mom was relaxed about something that was a little, you know, a, a little scuffle or whatever. And and the, the daughter was just like, oh, my God. Or the friend was just like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe this happens. Um, and so, you know, that's an example. It's like when we are authentic and we're relaxed relationships can really blossom. Um, and that's what we really desire with our kids as we get older is to have a sincere, connected relationship with them where they have learned the values of wisdom and of, of biblical wisdom. And one of our mm-hmm. favorite parenting verses 
is really about John the Baptist, actually. And it, it talks about the, 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 um, the calling of the one who prepared the way for Jesus. And it was to connect the hearts of fathers to their children and the, and the disobedient to, and you think it might say obedience, but it doesn't. It says to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Mm-hmm. And when parents keep their focus on, I want to keep my hearts connected to my kids and prioritize wisdom over the wisdom that values God's ways over just getting compliance and control in the moment. It's really, it's, it's exciting to see what begins to happen in homes when that's the heart of the parent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It makes a huge, huge difference in that. That ongoing relationship, you know, and uh, I can see it making a, a ongoing impact in their relationship with God and uh, their desire to continue, continue yeah. following God after they after they leave the house too, and uh, mm-hmm. still have that safety and uh, feel loved to be able to discuss those hard things with you as as they uh, encounter them. So. For sure. And we know of numbers of situations in homes where parents put these ideas into play, you know, a decade or more ago and their kids grew and everything was fine and great for a while. And then mm-hmm. something changed and an adult, you know, our adult children can start making their own choices and do what they want to mm-hmm. do. And all of a sudden it's not what we expected anymore. And, you know, if we as parents of adult kids, when our adult killed kids struggle react with anxiety and, but what about, and, you know, have you thought of, and maybe you should, and, you know, all these things that, that our anxiety compels us to do, uh, we tend to become less influential in their lives. And this is what we believe is at the heart of so much parent-child estrangement when when there's conflict in the adult-child relationship with their parents. The parents keep trying to fix and keep trying to should and keep having anxiety that leads them to do and say things that now these children, because they're grown, they just they just throw their hands up and go, I, you know what, I can't talk to my dad anymore. I can't talk to my mom anymore. It's over. I mean, except for Christmas and Thanksgiving, we're finished, you know, or whatever. And maybe not even that. Um, and so, uh, you're right, Jonathan, the, the, the importance of keeping these principles in play as we grow and they really, for Lynn and I have become, uh, you know, they've become formative. They've become the stuff God, these ideas are the things God uses, um, to bring us toward completion, but we recognize we're not there yet. (laughs) Probably won't be anytime soon. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, yeah, that's right. And it's we can't control as parents how our kids are going to end up viewing the world and God and faith. And we can't control what gets thrown at them in life, too. And we've got a, a child that's been through three years of just really intense trauma, and that child has struggled. But these, um, these principles have guided us so well to truly help him with the overflow of hope, you know, that, that God has put into our lives. And, um, yeah, it's so, we we see the value of them even more now at this older parenting stage of our lives. Yeah. And I will, okay. So I'm going to, as a very novice at this, um, obviously I have, I'm not, you know, a expert in your materials by any stretch of the imagination, But, um, so I'm going to say something, so feel free to correct me. That's where I'm going with that. 
Um, <laughs> but I'll say, as I stepped into this and started learning about your framework, I remember feeling, well, and there was so much going on in life, and I had challenges remembering things, and um, I felt overwhelmed as to how to go about applying it and working on myself. And so anyway, but that first step of having them feel safe and loved, I just focused on that first mm-hmm. and started there. And then over time was able to incorporate some of the other things. And also I learned, because I am a very... Or was, <laughs> yeah, I have been in the past a very perfectionistic type of person and strive for excellence in everything and including my parenting and I would say my children's behavior and that being the focus. And so that paradigm shift to this is really about discipleship, not about correct behavior. Mm-hmm. And you, you- um, oh, oh, I'm oh, sorry to jump in. You, you could be t- totally describing me as a young parent. <laughs> So, <laughs> anyway, finish what you're saying. I was not going to say that. <laughs> uh, now I have to catch my thought again. I had, as all special needs parents can relate to, I only got about a half night or less of sleep last night, so my thoughts are a little harder to capture today. Um, So, yes, that's what I was going to say. And one thing I learned also is that every situation that popped up, I didn't have to correct. If I was starting to see a pattern of behavior or something going on, I could wait until an opportunity knowing that that would show up again. You know, I was going to have plenty Mm -hmm. of chances to work on that over time that I didn't have to jump in and correct it every single time, especially with if I was tired or stressed or in a situation where I didn't have time to really give them the attention needed to talk through something. I think that's a great insight. And we see Jesus do that when the disciples um, and he were walking on their way to, I think it was Capernaum, and um, they're arguing about who's the greatest. And he hears them. He knows what they're arguing about, but he doesn't say a word until he gets to Capernaum. And then he says, hmm, what were you guys arguing about back there? And everyone is silent. And then he takes a child, pulls him into his lap, and begins to teach on humility and service. And so he knew that the best way to reach their hearts was to just let it go and look for a good teaching opportunity. So you're right on with that. And I love that insight. Mm -hmm. So as we think about the practical application of this framework and uh, the parents that we work with, um, particularly, uh, we had a parent in our community ask this question. So I want to give it to you guys and have you guys apply or talk through how you might handle it. Hmm. So this How is, do you want? Oh, go ahead. No, sorry. I, was just, I thought you were done. I was going to ask okay. Jim, so you can clip that out. Go ahead. Okay. So this is the question. We adopted our son three years ago. He has multiple medical diagnoses. He is almost 14, but mentally more like three. All he knew before was an orphanage. I don't know what to do about inappropriate behaviors. He laughs and gets wild when he gets too much attention or not enough attention. Due to COVID, he's only getting two and a half days of school a week. I am homeschooling the other children. 
he can't handle it when the other siblings and I are having a discussion, mm. and it is driving me nuts. Yeah, wow. Uh, <laughs> so first of all, uh, are you asking us how we might suggest this parent put the framework in play to address some of these issues? Yes. <clears throat> yeah, I, I mean, I think the first thing to acknowledge is that this parent is in a really difficult, probably very unexpected sorts of situation. Mm-hmm. And that's hard, and we're human, and uh, it, it is from time to time going to make life really hard on us, really difficult. And, and um, I, I think what we've learned, and we've never been in those shoes, so a part of what I would want to do with a parent like this is sit down and say, well, it sounds like it's really bad, but I'm guessing there's times when it's not. And what are those times like? And where does that come from? And how did you do that? Because what you know how to do is your best answer to doing better. Um, uh, and, and so then, you know, then it is, it, it moves uh, our desire is to move a parent toward the framework. Tell us about your foundation. What's going on? What kind of expectations did you have for this child that are not being met? How might those expectations be getting in the way of, of you um, engaging with grace? What kind of expectations might need to just be put at the altar before God and sacrificed away as maybe even, uh, you know, if nothing else, maybe there were great expectations or maybe there was something in it about rose-colored glasses and I came into this with unrealistic expectations and I keep expecting they get met. Like, what's that work that you're doing in your foundation part of life to let God into this struggle, to let God love you in this struggle, to let God bestow or pour his grace into you even as you struggle uh, and begin to change those expectations or let go of expectations because it's usually our expectations about how something is supposed to go that lead us into these places of feeling crazy. I expected it to go this way. It's going this way. I'm going to work really hard to get it go the way I wanted it to. And everything I do keeps failing and I still feel crazy. Why? Because I'm trying to get the thing I wanted to happen or because I haven't grieved the loss of, of this dream that I had that isn't taking place uh, and, and move toward acceptance. You know, it's back to the old serenity prayer. God grant me the, uh, the, the serenity to accept what I can't change the courage to change what I can and the wisdom to know the difference. We invite parents to actually make that a first person poem. God grant me the serenity to accept the person I can't cha- uh, uh, change, which is not, which is, which is my child, <laughs> the, the, the courage to change what I can, the person that I can, and it's not my child, it's me and, and the wisdom to know the difference between me and my child and all those expectations. So I do think that there's also, that's a great start to just frame this perspective, but I think there's also some super practical things that can be helpful for this parent related to this situation. And, you know, building off of what you said, Jim, uh, sometimes kids' anxiety really mirrors ours. And so being really aware Mm -hmm. as the discussions start, Uh, The parent said there's sort of a a just right level of attention. You know, uh, are you able to give the child that 
kind of just right level where maybe there's a wink and a thumbs up and a, and a quick hug, but you're not engaging a lot. Um, you know, what, when, when do you see your child thrive on, uh, you know, a, a level of attention? When does he, what, what does that look like? Um, and then, you know, kind of putting words in their mouth. It's, it's hard when we talk a lot, isn't it? It's hard when we talk a lot because he probably feels really overwhelmed. It's a verbal barrage. He feels left out. And so just to step into that is, would be helpful, I think. Um, so that he feels understood at any rate. And then, you know, in the coach part, you know, how might you build his capability, even as a three-year-old cognitively, to ask for what he needs? So can you teach him to, you know, to raise his hand when he wants a hug or um, to give him, you know, to, to give him some choices of activities that he could do while you're having the discussion that maybe is too stimulating for him? You know, just a, a few simple pictures of things that he could do in the meantime, um, you know, do you provide uh, just a, a favorite activity of his? You go and you check in on him at certain times. That's working with building his capability. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, and really, in 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 between the lines of what Lynn is saying is is a different message, which really is a message about me, and it's that I am for you, child, not against mm-hmm. you. And how do we orient ourselves and our actions in such a way that our child? begins to believe more and more that we're for them. Now, parents will say, well, but I am for this child. That's why we adopted this child. That's why this child is a part of our family. That's why we decided to keep this child. Whatever that we are for this child. It's like, I get that. And I think that energy right there is what, what I'd love to see you build on to make this shift. Because what seems clear to me from the outside is, is that you are so for this child and the child believes they are so against me. <laughs> and, and the goal is how do you align your good intentions with your child's accurate perception? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and that's hard work. Mm-hmm. The yeah. tools Lynn is talking about are ways you can begin to do that. Mm-hmm. And so, just now I'm going oh, to, I'm going to put my, Oh, and now I'm going to put my, okay. <laughs> Go ahead. Take three. <laughs> and now I'm going to put my occupational therapist hat on, and he may well be able to tolerate a discussion, you know, that auditory confusion. If he has had a big motor activity, a big muscle motor activity first. So maybe everybody gets down on the floor, your other kids too, and you do some bear walk, crab walk, big core um, muscle activity that will calm and organize his nervous system so he's not so agitated by listening in on a conversation. So those are all the kinds of things that that you experiment with and try to build capability around, you know, when can I get his brain in the best arousal state to be able to handle some of these challenging situations? And then later, focus on, wow, you did such a good job mm-hmm. with your markers while we were talking. High five to you. you know. Yeah. So, so you're setting him up for success and then helping him see what he did that was helpful. When you colored that beautiful picture, you made something for dad that he would love and we got to talk about our schoolwork. Thanks so much for that. That really took some self-control. 
So that's just an example of building capability in this situation. It's a great example, and I love all the practical tips you gave there. Uh, practical, yeah, great advice. And uh, it's it's not going to be a um, we're going to do this as you said. Put put the quarter in and get the result here mm-hmm. that you anticipate. And uh, yeah, but uh, I love the the steps that can help lead help the child feel safe, feel loved. I think that's so important, especially coming from coming from an orphanage. There's often adopted back room. There's often trauma and those things in the background too. Mm-hmm. So it helps yeah. bring the the uh, I guess the the need uh, even and intensifies that need for feeling safe and feeling loved. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's it's great great advice, great tips. And it could well be that the lesson that your homeschooling kids get is the lesson that you have compassion on struggling people. Mm-hmm. And that's even more valuable than whatever the discussion was. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, special needs siblings are some of the most amazing people I've ever met. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. Right? Now, we open each podcast by saying that there's beauty in the journey and purpose in the pain. How have you seen this to be true in your ministry? Wow. Well, um, as a pair of people that are ourselves currently in the midst of a pretty painful journey that I won't go into, but relative to our own adult kids and families of origin, uh, you know, death in the family and, um, a season of, of trauma of our own, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's easy to keep going back to this, this picture of expectations that I had before any of this happened about how life was going to be and how my dad was going to die and how my mom was going to age and, uh, how our kids were going to rally around all of that. And, and uh, the picture that I had, um, I have to, I have a sadness and a mourning about the fact that that picture was unrealistic and isn't going to happen, but there's a new picture and God is present in it. And the, the, the fight to, um, get a hold of God's grace and truth so that I really believe it in the midst of all of this, uh, I think has grown me more than any other thing in my life. Uh, and so w- when we watch and look at the parents that we serve in their lives, um, we invite them to this, to the letting go of expectations, um, <clears throat> to, the, to the insight, to beauty, to God's work, to God's purposes and presence in the middle of it. And Lynn, you're coaching parents all the day. I know you've probably got practical examples of, of this um, But I think ultimately what we've seen is parent upon parent who begin to say the sorts of things we referenced earlier that they never thought they were going to get to say. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's been so many parents that their relationship with God is so turned on its head (laughs) through the challenges of parenting and the, the neatly constructed, even Pharisee-like checklist of what it means that I'm a good Christian mm-hmm. goes out the window. Mm-hmm. 
And what comes in through the front door is the grace of Jesus and mm-hmm. mercy. And some of my favorite emails are those when parents say, this is changing how I view God and my relationship with him. Because just like the Apostle Paul and Peter, in their biggest failure is when they really got the gospel. And so um, I think that that's just one of the most precious things about Mm -hmm. what we do is help parents to really receive God's grace and truth and abundant mercy for themselves. And then it's so much easier to have that trickle down to their kids. And we'll have to edit this and stick it in somewhere else maybe. But I, there was, oh, (laughs) Jonathan's giving me a look like, what are you doing? (laughs) (laughs) I got one of those looks from Jim. You go, Sarah. (laughs) I love going off script here. Um, One thing, well, and because uh, I guess a, a drawback I've seen in other grace-based parenting things is really a weakness on how to, um, okay, scratch that. We'll start again. Try three, do over three, right? Okay. Um, yeah. One thing I want to make sure we don't neglect, and you mentioned at one point is in special needs parenting, one thing that's easy to do is give our kids extra allowances and extra leeway to not behave in a way that um, is beneficial or to develop attitudes that aren't what we would mm-hmm. desire or would be reflective of what, you know, of who God created them to be. And so I want to take a little bit just to talk about the the second half of the framework and uh, consequences, if you will, and what that looks like in this framework, because that is a critical piece to the puzzle. Yeah. The accountability part. And, and I, I, I totally agree with you and I'm glad you're raising the issue because, um, Parents can hear the message that we speak as if to say, well, we just need to keep letting our kids off the hook all the time when when there's when their sin muddles things up. Well, the, the truth of the matter is, no matter who a child is or what their disability is, um, like I said earlier, like us, our kids are born into sin. And for us to miss that and to not and to not help our kids wrestle with, grapple with, feel convicted by God's spirit. And an important distinction here is, is that the Holy spirit uh, has the work of conviction of sin and righteousness in the life of, of people. Uh, And it's not a parent's job to convict their kids of their sin, (laughs) but it is a parent's job to hold their children accountable for misbehavior, for, for, selfishness for poor choices. And so the way that we do that, though, is propped up by this relationship of grace so that we can then, um, you know, let's just say it's the it's the 14-year-old who's, who's turning against a sibling and, and stamping their feet and throwing things at the wall and, um, you know, slamming a door till it breaks. Uh, and we, you know, we know we can't let that keep happening. And so what do you do? Well, foundation first, where is the love? 
how do you do it? How do you do it apart from this behavior right now? But not necessarily. How do you bring the love and the safety into the accountability and then do the accountability part? So, um, you know, the 14-year-old may need to settle down. It may require a back rub. It may require a massage, some for you sorts of uh, efforts on the parent's part such that you can get to a place where you can go, that was really tough again, wasn't it, buddy? Um, but is there, was it 100% bad? Uh, probably not. So could you note to the 14-year-old, you know, I noticed this time that the door didn't slam as hard. I, I think you're working on that. And you know, don't you? Are you ready to talk about this? And the child shakes their head. No, I don't want to talk about this yet. Okay, do you want me to talk? No, I don't want to talk. I don't want you to talk either. Okay, well, let me just rub your back some more right now and let's settle down. And and we'll talk about it. I'll ask you about it again in a few minutes, okay? And the child, you know, most likely will nod, but maybe they'll even go, oh, not, no. Oh, so a few minutes is too quick? Yeah. Really important to help kids say something affirmative, <laughs> uh, and it's and it's quite an art form actually. But he, 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 a couple minutes is too fast. No, I don't want to do that. So you want to do it long? You want to wait longer? Then they may shake their head no again. Oh no, you don't want to wait. So so you would prefer not to talk about this at all, wouldn't you? Yeah, there you go. Mm-hmm. Oh wow. Well, that must mean you feel really bad about it. Yeah. Is that right? Do you feel kind of bad about what happened? Yeah. So, I mean, it's what we've learned is that a parent's brain opens more to the possibilities of how to be gracefully holding their kids accountable Mm -hmm. if they go through those portals of safety and love, Mm -hmm. no matter what. And uh, go ahead. And then within that, you can help kids, when their brain is calm, then you can help them think how they could fix it, how they could make it right. Mm -hmm. Um, And on our website, if you put in at connectedfamilies.org, if you put in repentance video, there's just a little five-minute video that helps parents understand how to explain that to young kids in a way that makes sense to them that God has designed our hearts to be connected to each other. And when we sin against each other, it breaks that. So he wants us not just to say sorry, but to really put our hearts back together. So how Mm -hmm. might you do that in this situation? And, you know, if you uh, ruined our study time, uh, how might you kind of make that right? How might you maybe help with dinner and serve the people that... um, that you that you hurt by your behavior, so that that relationship feels really good again. Um, so it's that kind of a thing. It's not yep. like you go and you have this big timeout, and the child is angry mm-hmm. and feels um, criticized, and so he resists, and nothing is learned. But it's really about helping a child get calm, yeah. understand what happened, and then invite them to fix it, to fix whatever it mm-hmm. is. And we've got lots of examples of that, making that practical in our book, because there's so many different situations. It's not a one-size-fits-all fit yeah. all of, you know, of go to the timeout chair or lose your screen time or whatever. Yeah, yeah and I'm still imagining the 14-year-old who, who broke the door. 
And if I invite them to go help me fix the door when they're calm, there's still too much shame in that. So I, it's kind of like we need to backdoor this. And so, you know, what's the, what's the, what would be the, you know, the, the perfect make it right sort of a thing for a child who has broken a door is for them to fix the door. But, you know, these, these sensitive kiddos, oftentimes that door represents the shame and the failure and the ickiness and all the things. So we can't even have it be about the door just yet, if at all. But we can have it be about, um, you know, hey, buddy. Uh, uh, and this is, you know, after the after the dust has settled and he's not thinking about or she's not thinking about the door anymore. You are because you want to help guide this child toward more accountability. Um, hey, buddy, I'm, I'm working on a project in the kitchen and I need to fix a drawer. <laughs> uh, and I'm wondering if you could hold the hold the the piece in place for me so that I can screw it in from the other side. Cause it's hard to do it. If you, if you, I need three hands and I don't have three hands, do I, can you be a third hand and help me fix this? That would be great. Now come on over here. Yeah. Yeah. You help me fix that. Do you know that when things are broken around here and you help me fix them, that's a blessing. Hmm. Now I'm going to go, I'm going to go fix the door. This is, you're not in trouble. It's okay. I'm going to go fix the door. Do you want to help me or not? Not, do you want to help me or not? But it's like, would you like to help me with the door? <laughs> or, or wouldn't you? Would you rather help me with something else? Hmm. Uh, and, and so, uh, again, your brain gets freed to think this way when your spirit is calm and when your heart is love. Uh, but when, you're, when your spirit is not calm and your heart is resentment, it's hard for any of these tools to make sense to you or for your child to receive them in a way that, um, feels graceful and like I'm for you. And then you can affirm your child and say, you're helping to take care of our house. Mm-hmm. That's really helpful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is such a beautiful picture. I love it. So, um, And like you said, there are tons of examples of those kind of things in the book. So I would encourage... Uh, our parents to go ahead and get the book. We will have a link to it on the show notes and also to check out your website and stuff. But um, let me ask you guys, how do listeners connect with you? We are at connectedfamilies.org. There are a few different portals on our website for how to make contact with us. Um, and get more information. Uh, lots of links about our online courses that are that are coming up. Uh, some of which are operate on a schedule, and some of which are available at any time. Um, and so, yeah, connectedfamilies.org. You'll learn about our blogs, our podcasts. We're we're starting to experiment with some new social media that we're excited to let people know about. Um, and and that's the spot. Perfect. Well, as Sarah said, we'll put those in the show notes. And I also want to give a plug. I also get your newsletter. Um, and in that newsletter, you have wonderful parenting insights. And so it's been a great value to me, and I love receiving that in my, my inbox. So in addition to your book, I'd, I'd say sign up for your newsletter as well. It's been, it's been a great tool. Yeah, it's probably the easiest on-ramp to the things that we teach. Excellent. Well, thank mm-hmm. you so much for coming on the podcast with us today. It has been such a uh, a great conversation, and I know it. Uh, yeah, it's, I know we've benefited from uh, your ministry over the years, and uh, it's just been wonderful to chat with you. Mm, well, it's a privilege thank to you. join you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 